Father in heaven, we are thankful for the opportunity to spend some time with you now discussing certain topics that are very important in these last days. We invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to come in our midst to teach us, to impress our minds, forgive us for our sins uh, we've committed against you or others. And we really pray that our minds may be open, not just to understand, but to change our lives in accordance with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the title of the, um, what I was asked to share was Leaving the Cities, Why, When, and How. And um, I guess I've renamed it to uh, Benefits of Country Living, you know, because sometimes you need to leave the city, you need to go, go, go. It has that fearful aspect, get out, you know, or else you're going to die. And um, it is true that there's good reasons that we need to leave the cities. But I think sometimes instead of focusing on the fear, let's focus on the benefits of, of, of why God is actually asking us to do that. So we're going to cover uh, basically three main points. The first point is why country from the spirit of prophecy? What are some benefits of... Why, why are we even told that we should go and live in the country, right? The second aspect that I'll be covering today is benefits of country living. And these are only, you know, my wife and I, we do live in the country. We don't quite live in the boonies, but we do live, you know, where we have a cornfield on the right and we have a farm on the left. So we do enjoy uh, the benefits of, of somewhat, you know, country living. So uh, the second point is benefits. And this is not spirit or prophecy. These are just, from our own experience, some of the benefits that we have experienced. And the third point that I like to talk about are challenges, okay? Because, uh, you know, I've met people that have moved into the country and then a few years later, they move right back into the city, right? And they're very discouraged with the country living. And, and if you're not prepared, if you don't know some of the challenges, if you don't do it in a gradually intelligent way, I think it can actually be a negative experience and not a positive one as God intended it to be. So uh, let me start with, with um, why country from the spirit of prophecy. And uh, I do encourage you, last talk we talked about Adventist Home. This time I want to encourage you to read a book called Country Living. It's a very balanced book. It's a very good book written by Ellen White. And none of you have an excuse anymore because you can read it on your phone, on your laptop. And, uh, or you can even go to your Adventist Book Center and buy a copy. So uh, the next, uh, there are many reasons why we should, there are benefits to the country that Ellen White mentions, but there's three main ones that uh, my wife and I, we realize that it seems it's, it's really a benefit for us. The first one is for our children. And, uh, and I just want to read this. It says, this is a Country Living page... Uh, no, it's Testimonies, Volume 5, 232-233. It says, Few realize the importance of shunning so far as possible all associations unfriendly to religious life. In choosing their surroundings, few make spiritual prosperity the first consideration. And, you know, that is true. I mean, I grew up, my parents, my dad was a pastor, a very limited income. My mom didn't work. And so I never remember them discussing uh, you know, what would be the best spiritual envi environment, their discussion was, where can we actually afford to find a place, period, to stay, right? So she's saying, few make their spiritual prosperity the first considerations. 
parents flock with their families to the cities because they fancy it easier to obtain a livelihood than there than in the country. The children, having nothing to do when not in school, obtain a street education. From evil associates, they acquire habits of vice and dissipation. The parents see all this, but it will require sacrifice to correct their error, and they stay where they are until Satan gains full control of their children. It's better to sacrifice any and every worldly consideration than to imperil the precious souls committed to your care. They will be assailed by temptations and should be taught to meet them, but it is our duty to cut off every influence, to break up every habit, to sunder every tie that keeps you from the most free, open, and hearty committal of yourselves and your family to God. Instead of the crowded city, seek some retired situation where your children will be as far as possible shielded from temptation and there train and educate them for usefulness. The prophet Ezekiel thus enumerates the causes that led to Sodom's sin and destruction. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. All who would escape the doom of Sodom must shun the course that, God, that brought God's judgment upon that wicked city. And uh, I, I want to mention something. Some people say, well, you shouldn't bring your children in the country because you are sheltering your children. Uh, believe me, if your children are living with you, they have enough issues <laughs> and temptation because you're not perfect, amen? So it's not like if some people act as if the parents are perfect, they're going to go out there and have a perfect home. There's going to be plenty of temptations, plenty of trials, plenty of issues in the family without all of the outward influences. It won't be heaven even in the country. So um, uh, if you're worried about, you know, and then there's the philosophy about, you know, and most people don't really fully believe that, meaning uh, you need to toughen them up. Well, do I need to taste marijuana to be able to know that it's bad? Do I need to smoke it to be able to tell my kids that they shouldn't do it, right? Should my kids be exposed to, 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 um, to pornography so that they, cannot, they will not get involved with this again, you know? So uh, most people don't fully believe that fully to the end. Um, so when you read this, it really sounds as if you are sheltering them uh, to a certain degree. I do want to say this, though. I'm a little bit digressing, but I want to come back. I believe the issue is not raising children in the country. I don't think the issue is sheltering children. I think it's sheltering children from information. So let me repeat that in a different way. There are people that will take their children into the country, homeschool them, but because there's a lot of things that they don't face in the country, topics are never brought up. And then all of a sudden they hit 18 and bam, they're gone into the world and you're thinking, whoa, what happened? Because if you study the statistics, it's almost equal. Homeschool kids out in the country versus kids that go into the secular school from Christian families, it's almost equal the amount that will leave God in the church and the ones that remain. Isn't that interesting? So the difference is not necessarily homeschool or country living or whatever it is. The difference is that as a parent, do you take responsibility for the educating of your children? Meaning, if my children are homeschooled and I'm sheltering them in the country, do I actually talk to them about homosexuality? Do I talk to them about drugs? Do I go and visit a prison with them and process with them what their thoughts are? 
Or is it because I'm way out in the country, they never have an opportunity to meet anything or talk about any of these kind of things, and I'm so busy working for God or doing some kind of living that we never, I have no idea what's happening in their mind. And then, bam, they hit 18 and they're gone, right? So some of the studies that are coming out, they're showing that the difference is not so much, of course, there are benefits to country living. But because the stats are so similar between a kid that goes to public high school and one that has a Christian education, the difference comes with the parents. Or if it's a teacher or a mentor, to be able to talk with them, process with them. And so one of the gentlemen, he says, you know, I homeschool five of my kids, he said. But I started to realize some of this stuff. He says now, he's a Sunday keeper, but he says, you know, now I take my kids to baseball. And he said this, I used to never take my kids to baseball because there's too much swearing. He says, but now I take them to baseball. And when we drive home, we talk about what's been happening. I don't know if you catch the concept. I, I mean, you may not fully agree with everything. He, but the concept is, I have responsibility for the training of my children. The training is not just sheltering. The training is to process with my child many things about this world the issues and some of the hot topics that are out there, things that I would rather avoid and not talk about. But I need to talk. I need to know what they're thinking. I need to be able to be there to strengthen them with the Word of God, to guide their thoughts, so that when they hit 18, I'm not blown away with the decisions that they make to leave God and the church. Why country? One she mentions is for our children. Another one is for our health. It's... Um, Country Living, page 6. The physical surroundings in the cities are often a peril to health. The constant liability to contact with disease, the prevalence of foul air, impure water, impure food, the crowded, dark, unhealthful dwellings are some of the many evils to be met. So, you know, I do believe that the suburbs have, are better now than it used to be back then. The, the sanitation is much better also. But I still believe that the quality and the freshness of the air in the country is way better than the city. Okay? Yes. Uh, for the second one I just read, it's Country Living, page six. And then uh, the last one I just want to talk about from the Spirit of Prophecy uh, why country is for our own spirituality. It is true that she speaks a lot for the children, right? Because there is, even for my kids, I can see the benefit of them running around, laughing, you know, just having room to just roam and, and, and have a great time. But few realize that the city influences us too. I mean, whenever I have to go downtown Toronto, to go to the bus station or whatever, or it's a different world. I don't know if you've ever been downtown Montreal or downtown Toronto. It's completely a different world. I mean, there's some people that that's all they live. They have their condo, they walk to work, they go to party, to a club. I mean, that's their life. It's a different it's a, different, it's, it's, it's a different world. It's hard to explain, right? So, and it's not necessarily, it's a very artificial world, right? It says here, the world over cities are becoming a hotbed of vice. On every hand are the sights and sounds of evil. Everywhere are enticements to sensuality and dissipation. The tide of corruption and crime is continually swelling. Every day brings the record of violence, robberies, murder, suicide, and crimes unnameable. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Life in the cities is false and artificial. The intense passion for money getting, the world of excitement and pleasure seeking, the thirst for display, the luxury and extravagance, all are forces that with the great masses of mankind are turning the mind from life's 
its true purpose. Another uh, benefit is possibility to grow a garden, berries, or even if you have a lot of land, you can even have orchard, right? So these are possibilities if you take it. In the city, if you're in an apartment building, I mean, the best you'll have is a little plant that you'll put outside, right, or the balcony. But if you're in the country, you can actually grow stuff. And it's exciting to plant something and actually have something come up. And uh, it doesn't come, you know, many kids, they believe that carrots come from the supermarket. They don't realize until they go to school, some of them, that food comes from, from the ground, you know. So uh, possibility to grow and all the benefits of growing. Another uh, benefit we found is because of you can grow your own stuff, the ability to make more foods from scratch. Now, I do want to put a disclaimer. It, it's very, not romantic, but it's very nostalgic to grow your stuff. But believe me, it's hard work, you know. <laughs> Every year, my wife always asks me to put one more meter to our garden. And because, you know, I do it with a shovel, it, it's, it's hard because you have to take out the grass and then you have to turn the, the, the ground. You know, finally this year we said, no, no, this is... This is too much. So <laughs> I, 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 we, we found somebody that had a rotor tiller and that could do it automatically. And so we were able to double the garden. But it's still very hard work. It's hard work to prepare. It's hard work to, to, um, to weed it. So don't, you know, some of you may be sitting there, oh, yeah, I like to have a nice garden. It's so nostalgic. <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of sweating. <laughs> and it's a lot of work. So it is worth it, though, when you eat the food uh, uh, it is worth it, okay? So, uh, but because you can grow a garden, you can plant fruit trees uh, and, and uh, berries. Uh, your you have an ability to make more food from scratch. And of course, that is way healthier for, for you also. Another benefit that we have discovered is that there are less worldly distractions, uh, meaning the neighbor's music and partying, uh, the advertising, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of distractions that happen just in a regular neighborhood. You don't seem to realize uh, how much, how distracted we are. And advertisers, they know that. That's why, you know, they put things all over the place. And you don't know. By the time you get to work, sometimes you've been told to buy 20 different products and sign up to 15 different, you know. And, and you don't even know it. It just goes in. It goes in. And some, sometimes you wonder why you have ADD, right? So, or ADD symptoms, sorry. So another one, it's easier to raise children as a result uh, because there's less of this worldly distractions as Ellen White speaks about. And I think it's perfect for homeschooling if that's something that you decide you want to do. Or even if you don't homeschool, I think we are, as parents, we cannot expect the church or even the Christian school to do what God wants us to do as parents. There is still education that I need to be able to bring to my children. And so that alone, I have a responsibility to have some kind of schooling, character building in my home. Um, another benefit, children play in greater safety, uh, seeming safety, and have lots of room to do so. So, you know, in the city, I think we're a little bit more uptight about where our kids are because the street is there and anywhere somebody can pick them up. In the country, if you have a lot of room and not so much neighbors, you don't feel as... You need to watch your three or four-year-old, you know, as, as, as closely uh, for that concept. And there's a lot of room for kids to play. Moving quickly, children have a playground for endless discovery in nature. Um, you know, one of the things we have in our, on our property quite a lot is, is frogs. We have, uh, as my, 
kids would say we have daddy frogs, we have mommy frogs, and we have baby frogs. So, and, you know, personally, I never grew up grabbing frogs. So when they'll come, hey, daddy, look, 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 take. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to take Because <laughs> they're squishy and they pee on you. I don't know what they do, but there's some liquid that comes out. And <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's so satisfying for me to be able to see my kids not having that fear, you know, that they can just grab those animals and just hold them. And, and whereas I grew up a little bit more in the city concept, you know, suburbs and, and my wife too in apartment buildings. So we're more like, oh, don't, I don't know if you should touch that, you know, where they, they can go out and, and touch these things. And for me, it's a lot, they can discover God's creation. And I believe find greater satisfaction in it. Okay? Possibility of stronger family ties because less time is spent with peers and more time with family. Um, especially when kids are young, I, I believe that we have as parents, if we want to inculcate to them our values, uh, we need to spend time with them. So if the kid is five years old and he's spending more time with the neighbor, uh, every time comes back from school straight to the neighbor, as parents we have a very limited influence on the character of our children, right? So this is something I think is a benefit. Another benefit is uh, health-wise. I mean, if you're not going to get up and mow your lawn, there's no one that's going to do it for you. And your lawn is not like this little weed-whacking thing you need to do. And your lawn is not the little plant you put on your balcony in your apartment. Your lawn is a lawn, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we have a tractor. We have to, I mean, it takes me... I've cut it down to an hour and a half, you know, by the time I mow and weed whack. It used to take me three hours, you know, until I really got figured out how to do it a little bit better. You have to shovel the driveway, you know, because no one's going to do it. Well, we had neighbors that were nice, but we still have stuff that we have to shovel uh, and garden and so forth. So health-wise, there is a, a possibility of being more active. Uh, three more benefits. One benefit is there is a possibility to save money for the shopaholic because you need to plan your trips to town. So before, you know, we lived in, in town, we're thinking, oh man, I, need, I think I'm going to go buy this. You get in the car or you just walk across to Walmart, you get it, you come back. You come back. You know what? I should have gotten this and then you go back, you know? But if you live kind of far, you have to think, wait a second, I need, I forgot toilet paper. So toilet paper, no, that's not a good example. Let's say I forgot. <laughs> that's an essential. <laughs> Let's say I ran out of... I don't know, apples. I need apples. But you're thinking, that apple bag costs $3, but in gas is going to cost me $10 to get that $3 bag. So you have to start thinking, I can't just get in my car and go anymore. I, I need to plan more effects. So, you know, it, it, you have the possibility to sh- save more money. I believe it helps you to depend more upon God. Uh, this is, I guess, more for my wife than me. I travel a lot, so I guess for her to be alone at night when I'm gone... Uh, it has its fears, you know. There, there's no one from, you know, a great distance. So if something happens, what do you do? Now, it's not as bad, I believe, these days as before. We have cell phones. We have, but, um, um, you know, whereas you have so many neighbors in the city. Um, but, you know, I tell her the reality is that it seems that people in the country know their neighbors more than people in the cities. Uh, it's just a different, but anyways. And the last one, possibility to grow produce and make a small income from it. We have neighbors across the street. They have their little stand, and they just put stuff out with an honesty-type box, and people pass by, they take their stuff, and they put money in it. And uh, they, they get quite a lot of money just from that. So there is a possibility uh, 
to, to get some income. So I want to end with uh, the last section. So the first section we talked about, let's recap. We talked about some of the reasons why I want to even live in the country from the pen of inspiration. What was the first one? Children. What was the second one? Health reasons. What's the third one? Spirituality. And then we talked about some of the benefits. What are some benefits uh, that we talked about to living in the country? Tranquility. What else? Fresh air. What else? Myths of God's creation. Less distractions. What do you say? Exercise. What else? Grow your own food. Easier to raise children. What else? Save money. There is a possibility if you're reasonable. Yeah. What else? Depend on God, family ties. Anything else? Exercise. Plan things better, exercise. And I'm sure if you guys would move, you would find a lot more benefits. So there are benefits to uh, living in the country. Before we get into the challenges, uh, I do want everyone to stand up real quick. It's free. You can stand up. I want you to stretch really high. Breathe in. Breathe out. By the way, when you breathe in, your stomach's supposed to go out, okay? Let's try that. One, two, three. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Smile. Stop smiling. I said stop smiling. <laughs> Reach down. Ah, beautiful. Turn around. Okay, sit down. Beautiful. All right. So we're going to wrap up with some of the challenges. Before we do, you have a question? Oh, sorry, when the air went in, the question <laughs> Look, there are challenges. There are serious challenges to moving in the country. I will not be able to go through all of them, but I call them challenges. I don't call them impossibilities. I believe when God has called us to do something, the idea is we need to move intelligently. We need to think about what are some of the challenges and by God's grace, seek to overcome them. Amen? Because God's biddings are what? Enablings. If God says, look, this is what you should do, I don't think we should have a fanatical view about it, but I think we should start planning and start working towards it. You know, we used to live uh, in, you know, in the Oshawa area, and then we had, um, I don't know if, if we already had our first child or even before, we started to pray, saying, Lord, we'd like to move into the country. And um, I'm going to share that story at the end, Okay. So, <laughs> challenges and some solutions. The first challenge that we were able to think of is health care, meaning accessible health care that's very quickly to, quick to find, and emergencies. Man, you're out there, and we're not even that out there. There are some people that are really out there, right? And so what happens? What if you cut your leg? You're going to die trying to get to the hospital, right? So uh, these are some of the fear. The truth is that there are literally thousands of people I would even say millions across Canada that live in the country and that are not Seventh-day Adventists. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> That's like a news to you, you know? And they actually live. They're, they're living. They're, they're, they're fine. <laughs> so if we want to figure out, sometimes we could just go and talk to these people, you know? So it's not like if, uh, you know, it's, it's never been done. But some of the solutions we have found one of them is make sure you have a good first aid kit. That's the first thing. Okay? It's very important to have a good first aid kit and to have a good set of natural remedies. 
because you can't be rushing to the doctor for every sniff or whatever, right? It's the further you live, the more you need to start doing simple things for yourself. And I think you should do it for yourself anyways, even if you live in the city. You shouldn't be running to get some kind of medication for every little sniff that you have, right? God has given us some of the natural remedies to help us. So get yourself a nice set of encyclopedia of, of, of natural remedies. And, and if you don't know where to go, you can always talk with me. We are a literature evangelist, and we can be happy to, <laughs> to, to provide that for you <laughs> at a discounted price. Amen. So... Second thing is familiarize yourself with basic natural remedies. And we do encourage you to take a CPR course. St. John's Ambulance does offer that. Whether you live in the country or not, that's a very good idea. Meaning you should be able to know uh, how to do CPR. You should be able to know these things because you can be used by God to save a life. You never know, city or no city. But I believe that in the country it's even more important because the response time for an ambulance to come is greater in general. So you need to know some of these basic things. Uh, and the last thing, emergency, I would say set yourself up to live without gas or electricity if needs be. Uh, you know, a few years back, we are actually renting. We have not bought our place. We have not gotten to the point where financially we can do that. Uh, but by God's grace, we're getting there. So uh, we're renting. Uh, so it's limited what we can do. But the good thing is that or our plan is if we could buy the house where we're at or a different one, if we could have some kind of wood stove, you know, you don't have to always use it, but it's a benefit because a couple years ago we had a blackout and uh, for three days we had to go to, to a motel because everything, we have the water pump from the well is on electricity, so that means if there's no electricity, there's no water, there's no heat, there's no nothing, right? Even our heating is electricity, so when electricity went out, we actually had to leave the house, right? Because it was cold. Uh, so, um, but if we had a wood stove, at least we could have warmed the house, we could have warmed water up, you understand what I mean? Uh, and then, uh, so, and we could have gotten a generator. That's another thing we're gonna talk about a little bit more. But because we're thinking, oh, we could buy a generator, but it wouldn't solve all the other problems that we're needing, you know? So, I think it's important, uh, you don't have to live off the grid, uh, but I do think it's important, if possible, to set yourself up that should an emergency happen, you can still survive without a problem. The second challenge is the necessity for a vehicle. In the city, you can just hop in on a bus and or the metro and you're, you know, take a few transfers and everything's fine. In the country, you need a car. There's no other way to get around. You can't walk to... The convenience store, that's not very convenient, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so you need a vehicle. So one thing is just get one. But one thing I do tell people, as far as possible, get a newer vehicle that has good rating. And if possible, the further you live out, get a 4x4, okay? Because you may be surprised. You, you find a nice place in the, in the summer, and you're all excited, and you go out there, and then you realize in the winter that they only shoveled the, your street like three days after a storm, right? So in Canada, they're very good. But still, in the country, they, their main thing is the 401, is the Highway 20, you know, and then they start moving into the, the, the country places. Uh, so it's important for you to have, if you live really far, have a 4x4, get a newer vehicle. Why do I say that? Especially if you're married, you have children, if your car breaks down on the main highway, you know, people are passing by all the time. 
and CAA will come and so forth. If your car breaks down in Timbuktu, it could be like five hours before you see a moose. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you understand what I mean? So you don't want to be stuck. You, can't have, you don't have the luxury of having a cheap car or a, a, a car that is not reliable. It is true that, you know, Denise and I, we, many times we couldn't afford newer cars. But the real truth is, you know, after a few years of experience, we still don't buy new cars. We buy used cars. But I remember one year, I had calculated everything. And the amount of money I paid to fix that car that I got with an amazing deal that was used, whatever, I could literally have bought a brand new car and still have money left over, you know? So you have to think a little bit. Uh, <laughs> reliability uh, is very important. Uh, because, yeah, and if you're going to have an old car, make sure you have good tools and the knowledge of mechanics or you live close to an auto mechanic real close by, okay? Uh, another challenge, which is a real challenge, and this one I want to talk about a little bit, is less family time for commuters. Less family times. Uh, what am I saying? I'm saying that you live here and you work an hour and a half away. And so... Let's say I'm the one working in the family, so now I'm driving to work an hour and a half, I'm working, and I'm driving an hour and a half back. You know what that means if you have small children? That means that I leave before my children wake up, and that means when I arrive back, I have 30 minutes, if I have no traffic, to be able to play with them before they go to sleep. And for me, it's not worth it to be able to say, oh, we have an amazing um, country living, but it's just my wife and my kids that live there. I pretty much live on, in my car, in traffic, and at my workplace. You know? So um, you have to count the cost. And I, I'm just sharing with you my opinion. But I believe that especially when children are small, they need you as a parent to be able to establish certain values for them. Okay? So if, you have, if you're already married and you already have your place, uh, if you have to, start transition, start looking for a different job that's actually closer to a place where you could be uh, in the country. If you have not moved out yet, make sure not to look for something too far. And this is the quote. This is something I was able to come up with. It is better to live closer to the city as you save up and be inconvenienced for some time until you get a good place than move to the country but lose your health and lose your family because you never see each other and you have to commute over four hours a day, okay? So what happens is if, I'm, if, I'm, if I live here and I work down here, um, if I work here, for example, I have many young families that tell me, man, John, we want to move into the country. But even for us, for us to afford a house that we can afford, I'd have to move like... To, almost to Montreal from Toronto. I mean, it, it, you know, so it doesn't make sense for me to live that far. And some people say, no, no, I can, I can do it. I, you know, we'll have an amazing place in the country, but you'll never see your family, right? So I, it's important for you to think, no, let me be a little bit more inconvenienced until maybe we can save up or find a different job or our situations can change that I can make sure to have the quality time. Another point in uh, family time for commuters is the age of the children can be an urgency factor to move. You know, if a child is only three years old, it's not so much an issue in my mind. 
But if a child is like 10 years old and they're starting to get into trouble with the neighbors and so forth, I think the urgency is way higher at that point than when the child is uh, two years old, okay? Um, healthcare emergencies, necessities for our vehicles, less time for commuters, not very convenient. And so we talked about that. You need to plan more. Denisa realizes we need to do more menus, shopping lists, think bulk, think quality. Costco is a good option for that. Another thing is you need to own more equipment. That's another challenge. Uh, so you want to seek a property that has lawnmower like, and stuff like that, or budget to buy some. Good websites to get good deals. Can you think of some? Which one? Kijiji. Very good. <laughs> Got some people here on my alley. What else? Craigslist. What else? eBay, Amazon, very good. Man, you guys are all. You ever heard of Virage Sale? You never heard of Virage Sale? That's the, man, you guys are not in. This is the in thing. No, Virage Sale. Guys, you guys are really not in. I thought I had the top of the notch, you know. Check it out Virage Sale, V A R A. G-E-S-A-L-E, -E, Virage Sale. Another good website where even I buy, I've bought so many things from routers to shredders to vans to, it's called GC Surplus. GC Surplus is the government of Canada when they're done with whatever their equipment, they, 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 they let it go to, to bid. And I've gotten, even in our office where we are, I've gotten dividers, I've gotten desks, I've, you, know, you can get anything. In, in, because the government owns quite a lot of stuff, and when they're done with it, they, they leave it at a very cheap price, and, and you just bid, and you can get them. So GC Surplus is another one that uh, I found. You can get generators and all that stuff, okay? So another challenge, this is important, friends. It takes more effort to witness. You know, I know some families or heard of families that they want to move in the country, so they move like five hours away from civilization. The only thing that they can witness to are the deers and the chickmunks. <laughs> and it's true that they can help their children. But I think one of the best things you can teach your children is a love for service. And if you can't get your children or yourself involved in service for God. So I'm saying don't move so far that you can't be active in service for God. Okay? So... If it is a challenge, uh, but that means you need to plan. You need to plan your outreach. Nursing home singing for families with small kids, it's a very good thing. Uh, and the old people, they just love the little children. The elderly, I think, is the way we call them. They really love the little children. You know, they, they just, it makes their day, right? Mission trips for families with teenagers. If you're teenage, so, you know, you may not be able to do it all the time, but I know some families that they, they go to South America or they go different places, even within Canada or U.S., and have their children involved in mission trips, okay? Visit neighbors, especially at Christmas. So what we do at Christmas, we try to bake things and give, wrap up little gift and, and go to the neighbors and give them stuff. And then there's always GLOW. We're always active in GLOW to be able to share literature wherever we go, whatever we do, whether we go to the store or so forth. Uh, Get active in local church with their ministries. So if you are in a small country church, 
or a smaller church and they don't have ministries, then buy, buy, th then start one. <laughs> you know, just, just do something. You know, where the NISA is, we are in our, in our church. Uh, you know, when we joined, we were actually the kids. The NISA and I were the younger, youngest people in that church. You know, the average was 65 and over. And when Daniel was, came, he was the only one in Sabbath school. And, and that was a dedicated teacher because that teacher would do the whole lesson for one little child sitting there, you know, who didn't even speak English, who didn't even understand what she was saying. <laughs> you know, after a while, she, he started to understand. But, you know, she's talking. And he's just looking at her. And that's dedication, you know. But get involved. Start to do something. So one thing that we started was, Denisa started, was MOPS, Mothers of Preschool Children. And so now we have uh, ladies from the community that come twice, once every two weeks. And they bring their young children. And it's quite, you know, and, and the mothers of the church volunteer also to keep the children. And so it's like a support group for the mothers, right? And from there, we're able to develop friendship and minister to, to families. Another one is VBS. For example, we just finished a few weeks ago the VBS or Children's Church. I mean, there are ministries that you can start in your church if there is nothing there. If you see a need, start it. God will help you. Two last things. One, last one is more expensive commutes. Commutes. It is true that to go to church, to go anywhere, it will cost more because of gas. So one thing that Denise and I did is we got rid of one car. We couldn't afford two vehicles, so we got rid of one. And uh, we just tried to survive with one. And that's what we're doing now. Another thing is if you can get, obviously, a fuel-efficient car. We were actually spending twice as much gas in a van than we were spending in our little Toyota. So um, you do the math, right? Make sure to get a fuel-efficient car. Diesel is always an option. And the last one is this. A last challenge is expensive land. Expensive land. Many people tell me, John, I'd love to move into the country, but, but land is so expensive. I can't afford it. You know, some of you live in Quebec. It's cheaper. But I'm telling you, in Ontario... I mean, type in your computer, mls.ca, type in your computer a house for $150,000. The screen will be empty <laughs> until you get to like two hours from Toronto, you know? Or you can get a condo, of course, that's in the city, or you can get a, um, you know, a little barrack shack somehow in downtown Toronto in the month, middle of drug infest, you know, so, or Oshawa. So, uh, it is definitely a challenge. But I want to end with this story uh, and with these, these uh, quotes. So Denise and I, we had our firstborn, and we really started sensing the need. You know what? We believe that God wants us, now that we're starting to have children, God wants us to move a little bit more in the country. We were renting an upstairs uh, of a house, and downstairs was uh, literally we're, we're druggies that were living downstairs. And everywhere we've ever lived downstairs, it's always upstairs of a house. It's always people that smoke and and, you know, music and all kinds of foolishness. So I started praying. And, you know, God didn't answer our prayer till two years later. And I had a criteria. I said, sweetie, with our income, we can only afford maximum $900. Amen? Some of you may think $900 is a lot of money, but wait until you get out there in the real world. <laughs> and it's not a lot of money. <laughs> so I told her, this is all we can afford. And I remember sometimes she would tell me, John, you're... you're you're like dreaming. You're like, uh, <laughs> I 
I said, no, it's faith. He said, no, there's a difference between faith and presumption, right? <laughs> but he said, no, this is our budget. This is what we need to do. And, and, and so we prayed. And, of course, we prayed and we kept looking. And, um, and we had a dec- decided that, you know, you kind of have to decide some of those things. But we had decided that when we're going to have kids, that uh, one of us, you know, would stay with the kids. She would stay with the kids. That was the, de- the decision. I had a privilege of having a mom that stayed with us growing up till we were seven or eight. And I think that was one of the greatest blessings uh, I could have as a kid. So um, that was our choice. Um, so we prayed. And everywhere we could find houses for 1200 1300 renting, you know. And, and of course, they wouldn't, you know, they'd, they'd accept me for like a $100,000 mortgage, you know. And that, of course, that's not going to get anywhere. But I remember uh, we kept praying, kept looking. And I really believed that God was going to open a way. And it's amazing how one day I remember just going on there and checking on the website, which is a website where they sell houses. But for some reason, somebody put a house to rent. And it's, it was the full house and one, over one acre of land. And it's right on Highway 2, which is right parallel 401, which is like, you know, right now it's like 10 minutes from where I work, 20 minutes from Oshawa. $900. <laughs> I remember shaking when I was calling. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, it's just when I saw the ad and I saw the picture, I just knew this was our house. And it's amazing. They had just posted it a few days before, called, you know, got even the landlord. Uh, they, they wanted to come and see where we lived just to make sure that we were tidy, you know, which is very smart said, sure, no problem, to make sure that we'll take care of their property. And uh, we've been there almost four years now, and they haven't raised the rent, still for $900 a month, you know. So, <laughs> And so for us, it was like an answer to prayer, how, wow, you know, how God does provide. So I, I, I want to end with these quotes. It says, the time has come when, as God opens the way, as God opens the way, families should move out of the cities. The children should be taken into the country. Uh, parents should get as suitable a place as their means will allow. By the way, it's a bungalow. It's a three-bedroom. I have a full basement upstairs, and I have, you know, we have a trampoline, a pool, a, a garden. We have a swing set, and we have tons of room. I could build three houses on the, the property, you know, be a little tight. But, you know, the, the, the point is, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of room, right? It's, it's a blessing. And it says, though the dwelling may be small, yet there should be land in connection with it that may be cultivated. Another place she says, um, parents should secure small homes in a country with land for cultivation where they can have orchards and where they can raise vegetables. On such places, the children will not be surrounded with the corrupting influence of city life. And mark this, God will help his people to find such homes outside the cities. Some of you may be praying and says, you know, hey, God, God needs to answer like this week. It took us two years, you know, and after hindsight, I realized why it was two years, because I needed, I needed to be where I was for two years because of the transitions with Review and Herald and certain things. And then when it was God's timing, God found a way for us to move. So was I sinning by being in the city during these two years? No, as God opens the way. Another place, this is the last quote I read, it says, uh, more and more as time advances, our people will have to leave the cities. For years we have been instructed that our brothers and sisters, and especially families with children, should plan to leave the cities as the way, as the way opens before them to do so. Many will have 
to labor earnestly to help open the way. But until it is possible for them to leave, so long as they remain, that is, in the cities, they should be most active in doing missionary work, however limited their sphere of influence may be. Why country? For our children, for our health, for our own spirituality. We talked about quite a lot of benefits of living in the city, and we talked about some challenges and some solutions that are not definitely, these challenges are definitely not insurmountable. It's important to know them, though, so that we can be prepared as we transition. Some of you don't have families yet or homes of your own, but I believe that that's perfect because now you can actually, you know, plan ahead instead of, you know, getting all together, buying a condo somewhere, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're starting to read some of these quotes. Now you have to untangle yourselves from all of these things and try to find a job that's... So now, if you're young, you have the opportunity to say, you know, uh, let me keep that in the back of my mind because as I get married, if it's God's will, as I have a family, these are some principles that I really want to incorporate in my life, and I believe that you'll have much more happiness in so doing. Okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, there is so much more that we could say. But we thank you for nature, which is your second book. We thank you for uh, the promises that if we desire to follow your counsels, that you will help us. We can't always see how or when or where, but we have the promise. And we realize that your word shall not return unto your void, but it shall accomplish that which you please and shall prosper in the thing whereinto you send it. And so, Father, we hold on to your precious promises, thanking you, O Lord, for them and praying that each one, if time should linger, if some of these young people would get married and, and have families, give them the ability, the possibility to move more into the country for the sake of their own spirituality, the sake of their children. And Father, let them not move so far that they stop being active in service for you. But may it only give them the ability to be more energized, more refreshed, to do a greater work for you. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. For I ask these things in the name of Jesus. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.